You're listening to a sermon from Pasco Vale Church of Christ. To hear more of our teaching or to find out about the church, please visit our website, pvcc.org.au. My name's um, Devon. I'm one of the pastors here at Cross Culture, and it's my joy to um, bring God's Word to you this morning and to be with you. Uh, well done for um, getting up pretty early after, uh, I'm sure you guys are a bit weary after last night. Um, but actually for us, I think it was the first time um, since I can remember that we were in bed by like 11 o'clock. Uh, so, um, yeah. Um, well, today we're going to look uh, back. We're going to uh, reflect a little bit on our lives over the last year. Um, and then we're going to look forward to what's in store uh, in 2023. Uh, so if you've got your Bibles, keep them open to uh, Philippians chapter 1, and we'll be going through that together. So let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, um, incline our hearts to your word this morning. Um, turn our eyes from worthless things and give us life in your ways. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm not a really big kind of New Year's resolution kind of guy. I don't really know why, um, but I haven't really thought much about New Year's resolutions and I've never really followed through on any I've made. Uh, but since I've been thinking more about resolutions recently, for 2023, I decided I want to read more, uh, which will probably last about two weeks or 50 pages. Uh, but when I really think about it at a deeper level, I think what I really want for 2023 is for 2023 to just be a little bit more joyful than 2022. Is that too much to ask? I want this year to just be a little bit more joyful than last year. I think it's the same for everyone. I believe that everyone, regardless of who you are, where you're from, everyone is somewhere in this pursuit of happiness and joy. Uh, when the US broke away from Great Britain in 1776 to become its own independent state, uh, one of the founding fathers of America, Thomas Jefferson, he wrote a famous document called the Declaration of Independence. Uh, it's a document that explains why America was breaking away from Britain. And one of the key reasons for independence was because they felt like they were being denied some basic human rights. Uh, this is how the document describes these rights. It says, uh, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. They're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Isn't that interesting? They're saying that every human being has the right to freely pursue joy and to live life in a way that makes you happy. Um, what Jefferson realized was that the pursuit of joy is essential and inherent in being human. There's even a movie called The Pursuit of Happiness. You may have seen it with the now infamous Will Smith. Um, it tells of a story of a single father who went from being homeless to becoming a successful businessman and his pursuit of joy was to give his son the life that he could never have growing up. And, and I found the movie to actually connect deeply with our own stories and our own longings for joy. Um, according to Google in 2022, the question, where can I find happiness, 
was Googled on average 301,000 times a month. Um, it ranks as one of the most asked questions on Google last year after what should I watch and where is my tax refund? So there you go. <laughs> but doesn't it just seem like humans are hardwired to pursue joy? So let's reflect back a little bit on last year. How did you go with your pursuit of joy in 2022? Uh, 2022 was the first year that was pretty lockdown-free for us here in Victoria. Uh, but one thing COVID has done for us over these last few years, it's exposed how we're doing in our pursuit of joy. You see, if life is about a pursuit of joy, then during lockdown, many of these pursuits stopped. And it, it forced us to reflect on whether we have joy now. Um, and as a society, we realized we're not doing that well. Um, we saw the rise of depression and anxiety, and even in our community here, there's been some of us who have been um, dealing with grief, even now having come out of lockdown for quite a while. Um, some of the other significant world events in 2022 was, of course, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which saw the displacement of 15.7 million people from their homes. Um, we saw the surge of inflation across the globe, which meant increased food, increased petrol prices, interest rates. That was 2022. And so what will it be this year? You see, this is the challenge. All of us are constantly in a pursuit of joy, but each year, life never really goes it with hopes. And I think I can pretty safely say that for most of us, 2022 was pretty tough. And so in a world that's so uncertain, where will you find solid joy in 2023? That's where Philippians comes in, because uh, Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians. It's a church in Philippi in Greece. And this letter is so relevant for us, because when Paul talks about joy here, life's not that great. Paul's an apostle. He was an eyewitness of Jesus himself. Um, and he went on to proclaim the good news of Jesus wherever he went. Um, but here it got him in trouble. Um, as Paul's writing, he's likely in Rome. He's awaiting trial, which will determine whether he's released from prison or whether he's put to death. Um, as uncertain as life might be for us here, we can genuinely say here that Paul's life is hanging in the balance. So when Paul speaks about joy in this book, he's not speculating about the, the meaning of happiness and joy like a philosopher. No, Paul is suffering and he's pursuing joy there. Um, and so here in chapter 1, Paul shows us three sources of joy that I think we'll need to hold on to in 2023. First, joy is found in partnership. Uh, Paul begins in verse 3. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I want you to see that Paul's joy comes from others. It comes from his church community and their partnership with him in the gospel. He realizes that the joy he and the Philippians share together in the gospel can sustain him in prison, even when it keeps them apart. 
Um, this is something that we've actually felt over the last few years ourselves, where lockdown has kept us apart. And now having come out of the lockdown, one of the trends over the last year is we're not just experiencing a COVID epidemic, but a loneliness epidemic. It's because Paul's saying here that one of the deepest joys that we can experience as a Christian is the church. Sounds like a strange thing to say, but God has designed us to find and derive our joy from the giving and receiving of love from each other. It's what the gospel does. The gospel doesn't just save us individually from our sins, but it brings us into a community. That's what baptism is. We are baptized into a body. We're brought into the family of believers who share the same identity, the same values, the same goals in life. Verse 7, Paul says, It is right for me to feel this way about you, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace. Um, Paul experienced partnership very practically from the Philippians. They, They supported him in prayer with money. Um, They stood by him when many would have disowned him for being in prison. They recognized that in our pursuit of joy, we cannot do life alone. Um, Even as Paul is separated from them, in verse 8, he yearns for them with the affection of Christ Jesus. He's longing to be with them. And now it makes sense that Paul's goal for this church in verse 9 is that their love for each other would abound more and more with all knowledge and discernment because as our capacity to give and receive love increases, so will our joy. I'm sure you can um, think of people um, who have invested deeply into your life, who have encouraged you in the gospel. Maybe you've been that person for someone else. I'm sure you can think of these people, and I'm sure these people have become very dear to your heart. So can I encourage you this year, would, would 2023 be, be a year where you invest deeply into relationships and partnerships that are based on the gospel? Um, last year, I read uh, a book called Made for Friendship, and I love its tagline, it's the relationship that halves our sorrows and doubles our joys. Isn't that true? Um, so this year, would you seek to grow friendships in, in depth in the gospel and also pursue new friendships as well? It's why we meet as the church here. Church can be messy. We might have had ne- negative experiences of church in the past. But actually, this is gonna, where you're going to find your joy in 2023. It is found in partnership in belonging and acceptance into a church community that you can call your own. Um, One of the joys we had as a life group as we gathered to celebrate Christmas together recently, and I realized in the room that there were two people born in the Ukraine. Uh, There were two people from South Korea, one from Indonesia, one from Canada, even a couple from Australia. And I realized that we have such different cultural backgrounds, we are so different in every way, but we are brought together by what we share in Christ, in partnership. That's why we exist. Um, So can I um, speak to you who are watching online as well? If, If you're still watching this online, can I please encourage you to return in person to church in 2023? Um, Because joy comes from being in partnership with others where you can serve and be served, you can care and be cared for. 
Um, sometimes we might not think that much is happening week to week, Sunday to Sunday. But you see, as we continue to meet weekly to worship God, to sit under His Word, to fellowship together, our joy will grow. Um, it's Paul's love and affection for this church that leads him to an even more surprising joy. Um, that joy can even be found in suffering. Joy can be found in suffering. We don't like to think about it, but to some extent, it's pretty reasonable to assume that 2023 will involve some aspect of suffering in your life. Of course, we know suffering can make, take many forms. It can be physical. It can be the loss of our health or our mobility. Um, suffering can be emotional through depression and anxiety. Um, it can be relational through um, the breakdown of friendships and relationships and families. Um, in our pursuit of joy, there will always be times through the year where we experience hardship and loss. It's just the reality. And often when we think about suffering, we often think about suffering as the opposite of joy. So we evaluate a good year or a bad year based on the presence or the absence of suffering. But, but do you see that each year you'll find that it's impossible to just future-proof your life like that? If we evaluate joy on this basis, who knows whether 2023 will be any more joyful than 2022? But I want you to see how Paul frames his suffering in verse 12. This is how he interprets his imprisonment and persecution. Uh, he says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Isn't that interesting? I wonder, if you were to place yourself in Paul's shoes, how would you interpret your situation? I reckon I'd feel pretty awful, right, about being locked up unfairly for my faith. Wouldn't it be just so easy to complain and to feel sorry for myself? Paul doesn't dwell on these things. In, instead, he's able to reinterpret his suffering through the lens of the gospel. And here he can have joy in suffering because it's through his suffering that the gospel advances. In verse 13, it gives him a unique opportunity to share the gospel with others, even to those who are guarding him in prison. Uh, if you drop down to verse 17, even as other Christians hurt him through their preaching kind of doesn't matter to him. The only thing that matters to Paul is that Christ is proclaimed, and there's that word again, in that I rejoice. Do you see how the gospel has completely reoriented Paul's outlook on life? Because of the partnership he shares with these Philippians, he finds him joy not in himself, but actually in the joy of others. Um, that's how Paul sees his imprisonment, verse 14, that it is for the boldness of the church. It is for their encouragement. Um, last year, my wife and I, we had um, a miscarriage. And um, during that time, um, that was tough. Uh, we were actually so encouraged by um, hearing our friends and some of you here um, share openly about uh, your own struggles with fertility and loss. Um, and as, as they shared with us um, their personal experiences and challenges, 
in a way, I think God used their strugglings and sufferings for the advancement of the gospel in us, actually. Um, you might find often with suffering that uh, through your suffering, God gives you a sensitivity. Um, he gives you a burden um, towards others that are going through similar things. And so, with what we've experienced, we trust that God will use us now in a similar way. It's a, it's a peculiar kind of joy. So, I wonder, how could God use your suffering this year for your joy? How could He use it for the joy of others? Because we know we cannot avoid it. But what we can do is make our life all about the gospel, so that when struggles do come, and they will, that we will see them as a gift from God to, to minister and care for the sake of others. Um, in that way, suffering becomes a gift, like in verse 27, if you drop down, that suffering may be granted to us, it may be gifted to us for the sake of Christ. Um, the writer, uh, Melissa Kruger, she says that our theology as Christians allows us to hold joy and sorrow side by side. Um, we can mourn circumstances that are hard, um, but at the same time rejoice in a God who is working all things for good. All right, I'm just going to um, pause there for a sec, because I, I realize that this passage represents a radical and countercultural way of thinking and interpreting life. And so right now, maybe you're thinking, is this realistic? Is this way of thinking about life realistic? Isn't this just Paul who was so on fire for God? Maybe he can do that. <laughs> but what about me, you know, the struggling Christian who just needs to get by day to day? Um, which brings us to our final point, that I, I think is going to bring this all together for us, that ultimately, joy is only possible if joy is found in Christ. Remember, at this point, Paul is still waiting to hear whether he's going to be released or executed. He genuinely doesn't know whether he'll live or die. So, how do you find joy when life is so uncertain? Paul shows us how, verse 19. He says, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of uh, Jesus Christ, it will turn for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. And I want you to listen to verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul is indestructible. To live is Christ, and to die is gain. He says, let me live. It's fine. I'll, I'll keep living for Christ. I'll keep serving you guys for your joy. And if I die, if I'm killed, that's okay too. I'll get to be with Jesus face to face, and that is better than anything in this world. His only concern is that either way, in life or in death, Christ is honored in his body. Paul's joy ultimately comes from his union and his relationship with Christ. Christ has become his entire life. 
Um, you see that to live or die is a genuine struggle for Paul here. He says, verse 23, he, he can't decide. He says, I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. That's better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. He says, actually, I kind of prefer to die. But I want you to see here that he's not being suicidal. He's, he's content. He's joyful. So I want you to see how this builds. So Paul's partnership in the gospel is giving him this purpose that is far bigger than himself. His sufferings are enabling him to hold loosely to the things of his life and and give him an opportunity to bless others. And it's finally his union, his relationship with Jesus that will remain with him in life and in death. It's extreme, isn't it? And yes, Paul is someone who experienced the gospel in a remarkable way. As someone who was once an enemy and a persecutor of Christians, now transformed into one of the greatest evangelists. But even though Paul has experienced the gospel in an amazing way, so has everyone who has been saved by Jesus. Uh, We may not have all the same dramatic testimonies of Paul, but in a very real way, we were all enemies of God too. We were all sitting under His judgment. We were destined for judgment and separation from God. But what Jesus did is He rescued us from this destiny. And if you are in Christ, your eternity has been radically changed from death to life. As we saw today in the baptisms, our sins have been washed clean. We have been made new. We've been brought into a new family where God is our Father, Christ is our brother. You've been given a church community, these brothers and sisters here who halve your sorrows and double your joys. You have this brand new purpose to know Christ and make Him known. No, in life you have never been so free and in death you have never been so safe. Yes, Paul's approach to life and death is extreme, But in essence, it's really just a product of knowing Christ. Because when you think about it, what joy in this life will really last apart from Jesus? Apart from Jesus from year to year, we are completely at the mercy of our circumstances. 2023 might be way better, might be way worse, we have no idea. I want you guys to see that the only way to find solid joy is when you no longer live for yourself. This approach may seem extreme, but if you really believe that Jesus is alive, this is actually the most logical, the most rational and reasonable way to live. See, this is what Thomas Jefferson and the US Declaration of Independence didn't realize, it didn't get right. That they rightly saw that joy and humanity were closely connected. But what they didn't see is that the key to finding joy doesn't come from the pursuit of joy itself. The pursuit of joy doesn't actually bring you joy. It's, it's why for the last 250 years since this document was written, we're still asking the same questions. Each year, we're still in this pursuit of joy, and we may not be getting any closer. It's because the key to the pursuit of joy 
was always about the pursuit of Christ. Make joy your central pursuit, you won't get it. Make Christ your central pursuit, you'll have it in abundance. Um, If you want a deepening sense of joy in 2023, we've seen here that you need to go deeper and deeper into knowing Christ and the gospel. Um, So one of the things I've been doing recently is just rereading an old book uh, called Knowing God. And um, why I've been doing that is I want to recenter myself on what is most important. That finding joy is always grounded in knowing Christ. And that's what we see a couple of chapters later. Paul says, I indeed I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So in 2023, would we never move past the simple joy of knowing Christ in the gospel? That's what life is about. Um, I hope you've seen today that True joy is so much more than just a fleeting emotion. But true joy remains through actually great emotional highs and very deep emotional lows, in freedom and in prison, in sickness and in health. Um, So this is my definition of joy. Uh, That joy is an inward satisfaction and contentment as we experience the beauty of Christ and His gospel. Joy is an inward satisfaction and contentment as we experience the beauty of Christ and His gospel. Um, So as we close today, I want to challenge you guys. How would you finish this sentence? Paul says before that the key to joy is not actually the pursuit of joy itself, but the pursuit of Christ. He says to live is Christ and to die is gain. So I want you to reflect on this. As you reflect on your life now, I wonder how would you complete this sentence? How would this sentence shape your hopes and your goals for 2023? To live is and to die is. How would you fill those gaps? Maybe for you in 2023, to live is to succeed at work. And to die would be failure. Maybe to live is to find someone special and get married and to die would be loneliness. Maybe to live is to have fun and travel the world and to die would be such a waste. Paul says what you place at the center of your joy and your hope will determine how you face life and death. Um, So let's um, reflect on this question for a moment and then I'll close this in prayer. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Christ is now our life. That in Christ that you have rescued us from death to life so that we can experience partnership with others and find joy even in suffering. Lord, would 2023 be a year characterized by a deeper knowledge and love for Christ and that through that our joy would increase. In Jesus' name, amen.